As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, welcome in to Hear That Podcast Ground. Paul Eater Jr., Jay Morrison of The Athletic are back with you. We're, we're two episodes a week as we run through our draft strategy series and up into the draft, which is at the end of this month. And obviously through the draft, we'll have tons of pods through the whole draft weekend and lots of coverage. So we are in full-on sprint uh, to the end of April and the draft. And, you know, we kind of plan these so that we can run through these uh, positional previews that we're doing, and then news starts popping up, and we got to kind of focus on that, as we're going to do today, Jay. Uh, we, You know, we've got the Ring of Honor is here at long last. Yeah, no surprise, but it is. I think it's still a a big day for for Bengals fans, for fin- former Bengals players, especially. I'm already starting to see some of them weigh in on Twitter, and um, it's it's interesting that 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 they're gonna let the fans pick two of the four. First of all, I don't know why they're only doing four. They waited this long. I don't know why they couldn't have had a bigger <laughs> first class. I mean, it would have been. I think it would have been really cool to have eight. And or even ten, and and do Munoz and and Paul Brown as the the obvious, and then maybe in, induct a, another eight guys one at every home game this year. But uh, they're doing it this way. Four are going to be in the inaugural class. You as a season ticket holder will have a say in who those other two will be. And um, I think we all know how that's going to go, Ken and Ken. But we'll I see. don't think so. I do not no. necessarily think that's going to be the case. But we can talk. We can discuss about that uh, for sure. But you know, it, I, I to to start with the the way they're rolling it out. It's unfortunate uh, that they're two of their biggest announcements that they've rolled out this month have kind of been a bit anticlimactic. Yeah. Uh, when you know we kind of knew the Ring of Honor was coming, thanks to the the little the shot uh, inside <laughs> the stadium, and then we now kind of have a pretty good idea of what the uniforms are going to look like, thanks to the hanger. Uh, 
and, and both of those are sort of it's it's unfortunate like they're trying to do the right thing and you know this stuff it's it's today's day and age man it's hard to hold on to secrets secrets are tough yeah. um and, and and but that doesn't you know there's no it doesn't take away from them finally doing this and and we have rightfully and honestly because that's what we've heard so much and we saw it today Willie Anderson immediately on Twitter talking about how this is making so many former players so happy today because they have lobbied for this for years. And I have talked to so many former players, anybody that's listened to my podcast, going back to when it was called Scribe Session at the Inquirer. Man, like anytime I talked to former players, it seemed like this always came up and, and how it just it didn't it left this chasm between former players and legends and the team and not feeling like they cared about him. I remember talking to Tony McGee, not that he's a great player at all, but he played here for a long time saying he'd never once even been invited back. And he was running like a, like a, I mean, he had made like something like $40 million in his post career and like running a freight industry. And it was like, talk about guys. It'd be great to come back and talk to your current players about life after football mm-hmm. and, and being a player. And he's like, I'd never even been invited back once, never even been talked to. And that disconnect had always been the number one criticism coming from former players and part of what helps them not feel as though they're part of the community with fans too. And so, yes, it took too long. Yes, this is ridiculous that we're talking about this today, but you still have to give credit. It's finally getting done and, and they're going to embrace it. And, 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 you know, we'll, we'll talk about it plenty. We'll talk about who should go in. So Jay, you think it's, you think it's a slam dunk. You think it's a slam dunk? I do. I, I mean, Ken Anderson is very popular, and he's probably of the the borderline Hall of Famers. The one that, well, really, both Kens are. are if you if you say who deserve who most deserves to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, those I think would be the two picks among Bengal fans. Now, if it if because they're letting fans do it, it's going to be a popularity contest, and I could see Chad getting in. But if if fans take this serious and do it on merit only, and the fact that. 10 months ago, Ken Riley passed, and what a shame it is that he's not going to be around to, to finally enjoy this, this honor. Um, I, I, I think that's what it should be. Will the fans do what is right? I don't know. But in my mind, it should be Ken Anderson and Ken Riley. I would agree with you in that. And I think – and I would listen. I think there's a lot of arguments to be made that you know because – the unfortunate passing of Ken Riley, you know, it feels like you need to get his name up there, right? It, that feels like it's time for that. Um, that said, I, I think there's more merit to Chad's case. I've made this case many times in, in that what he did to reinvent the organization from an off the field, from a cool factor. From and then on top of that, being an incredible player, having one of the greatest runs, uh, a five six year run for a receiver that we've seen in this league. To me, that puts him over the top. And here's the thing because of the voting setup, season ticket, you know, how many people that are current season ticket holders bought them in 2005? Yeah, a massive number, a massive number. 
That is, you. I don't think people understand. Like when I when I talk to people about when they bought their, how many people say, "Oh, I, I think I bought my tickets in two thousand five, two thousand six, whatever." That was. So when you're talking about the people that are they, well, there's a, it's you're also kind of asking a generation of fans that showed up because of Chad and that have never seen Ken Riley or even Ken Anderson play, and and that's. That doesn't discount those guys' cases, and I think when you talk about legends uh, I, I, and what they what they did, that's all you know, kind of the spirit of this. But um, I think Chad should have a real case because of the personality and how he became the face of the Bengals. I mean, today the ambassador of the Bengals, really, um, and then what he also was on the field and, and what that. That team, that kind of generation, meant to current season ticket holders and suite holders. I think, uh, I think that could be enough. The question, though, I mean, how many of those people that jumped on the bandwagon in oh five oh six when they first got things going again have tapped out? Had got frustrated by how bad things were in in oh eight and ten. Were frustrated by the the five straight playoffs flaw. I mean, we hear it all the time. I'm canceling my season tickets. Every time they brought back Marvin, people were, were tapping out. I, I think the, the ones that have had tickets since the stadium opened, the ones that have had tickets going back to the riverfront days are, are the, I don't know. It would be interesting to see the, the makeup, what, what, what the demographics are of the season ticket holders and, and um, length of, of owning them. But I, I think there's a lot more that, are long time ones where the the tickets have been in the family or with the same person for a long long time and maybe some of those those newer to the the season ticket game may have tapped out with the the five straight losing seasons the five straight playoff losses before that I don't know that for sure I don't have the data but I I don't I don't know that there's an overwhelming majority of of people that bought them and still have them from the Chad era. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it, that would that is probably going to end up being the determining factor, whatever the answer to that is. But I think, mm-hmm. you know, I, there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of good candidates, and you know, I'm a, I'm kind of with you limiting it to four. Uh, you could have gone up five, six, I think, because there's kind of a this top heavy group, not top heavy group. I shouldn't say that, but I think there's kind of this, you know, Willie, the two Kennys. Chad Boomer, uh, I think that are maybe um, <laughs> Corey's an interesting case that's going to be discussed. Uh, I put Sam different. in there. Sam, yeah. If we're, if we're talking about coaches, Lap. Um, if we're talking about overall impact on the organization, Mister Bengal, basically. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we're when you start talk. I think there's, but there's to me, there's a group of five to six. And when we did this, the mythical Ring of Honor thing, I think we did it in in sixteen when we took our shot at it, as every local, I think, group has at one point. Um, it was, you know, there was kind of this group, a top three that were obvious. And then you got into a discussion for the last one, and I, I, you know, you end up with these same guys that we've kind of talked through there. So I, I think you could have done more. They didn't. They're doing it, you know. And the twenty twenty two class can be as you know another bigger class as well. And then you kind of maybe settle into something. But either way, it's happening for a lot of former players and fans. This is a big day, uh, and so look out if you're a season ticket holder to get your vote in or a sweet 
member to get your vote in when they put, put that ballot out in May. They're, we don't know. They're not saying how many players are going to be on that ballot, how big that ballot is going to be. So I guess we'll find that out when that uh, comes out. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Let's flip to the other piece of news, uh, and that was the the release of Giovanni Bernard was made. I shouldn't say made official. It happened. Um, you know, it was sort of up in the air. We knew it was a very real possibility. We knew that they had talked about a pay cut, and Gio and his camp was kind of deciding what they wanted to do there. You know, Gio, the longest tenured running back with one single team in the league, um, that now flips actually over to the best man of his wedding, James White, <laughs> uh, who he was a high school teammate with uh, and who's now in New England, but they played together at St. Thomas Aquinas. But, you know, uh, a pretty storied career. The last, you know, I guess you had CJ, who was technically a part of that team in the playoff game, uh, but he barely played that year. Really the last piece of the, the playoff teams, Clark and Kevin, but last, you know, offense, defense, position player. Um, to go, and it's kind of the end of that, the, the full end. Um, you know, I wrote about, I have a column about this, about this now, and it, we've talked about it, so I'm not gonna dive. We don't need to go totally into it. You can read the story, or you remember us talking about this a lot. I just, I think this was the right move. Uh, inevitably, on paper, if we're treating this. Like the business it is, this is the right move. You, you get the rookie in there, you know, and who can come in and, and be a little bit more of a playmaker, give you a little bit more juice than you get from Geo. Pocketing the money is part of this, but I think it's more about flipping that room over. Um, Geo has been around. What I worry about is the locker room a little bit, is the leadership element, captain guy who does everything um, the right way, example for everybody. Um, calming presence a little bit. I, I If there's an element to this that I worry about um, from a team perspective, it's it's that one. Yeah, but you, you, there's not really a leadership void when you've got Joe Burrow. I mean, this is clearly his team. And I, I think if, if we hadn't have seen this purge and Gio being pretty much the last one to go, then you would worry about this kind of move. You know, if some of those other vets were still around, but he's he's the last really of the I mean, you mentioned CJ, but you look at the long timers uh, of the Marvin era and with with Carlos and AJ and Gino and all those guys gone. Um, 
as much as Gio was res- or is was respected in that locker room, I still think players understand it's a business. Gio understands it's a business. I I, I don't think it, it's going to have a a negative effect on that locker room. If if he was by and far the the main leader, then yeah, maybe. But uh, we're seeing Von Bell step up. Jesse Bates is going to be a captain. Um, it, and obviously Joe Burrow is what he is. So it's, it's, it creates a void, but it's, it's easily fillable with, with guys you have in place. I think it purposely creates a void yeah. in order to allow this group to take ownership. And I mean, look, this team is built around the young. I mean, this young, they have cleared out the old, they've, they've done what people have been begging for them to do. And that they should have really done in one offseason. And that's just clear out all the old, get young, rebuild around Burrow and a young, exciting group. But there's a hesitancy when you're a young player, even if you're a great leader, to step up and say the thing in the room or, 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 and be that guy or challenge a teammate when there's vets all around you. We talked about this with Carlos and Gino and a number of other guys throughout last year. AJ, when those guys are there, you you're a rookie. You're a young kid. You, I concede to the vet. I'm just trying to do the right thing. I'm a young guy. Anybody who's been at a job like this, this is not this is not a football thing. This is anywhere. If you're at a job and somebody there has been doing this job similar to yours for ten to fifteen years, and you're there in your second or third year, you 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 feel comfortable. You feel like you could be a leader, but you're not going to talk over that guy who's been doing it for ten to fifteen years. But you have a respect there, and and that person deserves that respect. Unless you clear that room, you don't turn that leadership over. And I think that's a part of what this offseason has been all about. And unfortunately, Gio, a guy who does it all the right way, I think this is to a lesser degree because I don't think anybody would have had a problem uh, with Gio being there still uh, as far as like, you know, he's not going to restrict leadership or anything like that. But it's part of it. It's just it's just to clear the let's clear the deck. Right. And let the new group step forward and be the ones to run this ship. Somebody sent me the I'm the captain now gif uh, about Joe Burrow, (laughs) (laughs) Captain Phillips. Uh, You know, it's uh, – look, I I, the the aspect that is tough is that they waited to do it till a couple weeks after free agency. If there was any way to – you know, it is business. It is personal. And the Bengals have had a long history of being too loyal, of it being loyal to a fault. Yes. That is gone now. And I've made that rant. I'm not going to reiterate it here, but that that's gone. This is the most obvious example of it yet. That they're making that you have to make the right decision on paper, and you can't get too loyal in this game. Players understand it, and you as a front office need to understand it. The Robert Gathers, the Michael Johnsons, the Leon Halls, hanging on for that last year because you feel like you owe it to them, even though the the returns are depreciating and the money is huge. You can't operate that way in today's NFL, and and it's hurt them in the past. And moving on from it now, I think, is part of an evolution a little bit. And maybe some wish it wasn't that way. Some wish it was a little bit more about the person and the human, and and not that they don't still care about those guys, but uh, that 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 was still part of it. But it's not, and that's and I think it's for the better. And I think there's never been a clearer example of that uh, than what we saw here. That's that the that's where we kind of tie together this ring of honor and and the the geo news is 
not that Gio's a lock to be in the ring of honor one day, but to show that appreciation for guys after they're gone, it is a business. Very rarely does a guy play his entire career. So they, they move on somewhere else. And then you, you have a chance to honor them later. And I just, first and foremost, I hope Gio lands with a team that has a, a real shot at, at a, a Super Bowl. I, I'd love to see him get that chance. Personally, I hope he lands on one of the eight teams that play at Paul Brown Stadium this year because I think it would be <laughs> great for him to get that kind of Andy Dalton moment to come back here as a member of the other team and, and get that and beat applause. the Bengals. <laughs> well, if that happens, it happens. But uh, just to see the the reaction, it, it's so hard when these things happen. Um, you, you don't really. It's like baseball. You know they're going to come back at some point, and you, and you can honor them. But you know if they go to the other conference, you've got a. It could be eight years before they come back and play. And and Gio doesn't have eight more years in him. I just I think that would be great and, and a really neat scene if if he were to come back and and get that ovation um, from the home crowd. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, again, if you want to read more on that, uh, I have a column up about Gio, the guy he was as an on-off-the-field player. I think he's one of the more underappreciated players. Someone questioned me using the word great about him. At what he did for this team, he was great. You don't, you know, the efficiency numbers as a receiver and a running back, he's one of 14 running backs in NFL history with a minimum amount of receptions and carries uh, to average, to have, to have at least three seasons averaging four yards per carry and nine yards per reception. Those are big numbers from a, a modern day back. And four of those 14, by the way, are in the hall of fame. Uh, and, and so I think at what he did, you know, it's sort of like the way we talk about James Brooks, um, they're very similar types of players, but the versatility makes you such a more dynamic offense. And this offense was at its best when Gio was being used correctly in that way. He had five different offensive coordinators. I had to go double check myself on that <laughs> in his time here. And they all kind of had different ideas of how to try to use Gio, even though I think we always knew where he kind of should have been. But at what he did, he was great. And that's only the tip of the iceberg for what he meant to the franchise. Um, and it's, right. it, it goes beyond the, the numbers and the stats. I, I, one of my favorite plays of his career is it was a game in Baltimore. They made the comeback, and he stepped in and picked up a blitzing Terrell Suggs. He didn't stone him, but he slowed him down just enough, and he got the pass off to A.J. Green. I think it was a really long one. Um, ended up being the game-winning touchdown. I mean, that was who Gio was. He was he was so underappreciated as, as a guy that would, for how small he was, stick his nose in there and pick up much bigger blockers. Um effectively and that was everybody loves the play at Miami the, the the game the video game type play and um we mentioned him being one of the last plays I think that's one of the more indelible moments is him getting knocked out in that Pittsburgh playoff game but that that's one of the ones that sticks out in my memory was him sticking his nose in there and picking up Terrell Suggs and lit, led to the game winning touchdown pass Turn on the tape from any Giovanni Bernard game, and you will find a play that looks like that. Yeah. Uh, he did that all the time, and a lot of times in some big moments like that one. Um, all right, we're going to flip the script here to the draft series real quick uh, in a second. But first, I want to I want to share with you a new podcast from The Athletic. Um, Mo Egger will be listening to every single second of this and probably crying through much of it. The, the, our, our local New York Knicks fam is called Shattered, Hope, Heartbreak, and the New York Knicks. It's a documentary-style podcast series on the past 20 years of the Knicks hosted by Chuck D., 
from Public Enemy. Uh, series tells all these wild, crazy stories from the past two decades under James Dolan. I love like ownership gone awry stories <laughs> and and just total debauchery within an organization. That's why I've loved talking about like the '90s Bengals are fun to talk to former players about because the stories you get are just insane. Is it's the same concept and this stuff is great. So some of the people interviewed are what Patrick Ewing, Penny Hardaway, Jamal Crawford, Nate Robinson. Donnie Walsh, Jeff Van Gundy, David Fisdale, Jeff Hornacek. I mean, you've got all kinds of people in this. It's, it's incredible. They talk about what caused the end of the 90s. Knicks, what is it like to be banned from the Garden? That's what I want to know. I, I, I'm very interested in that. Uh, the Knicks failed pursuit of LeBron, Carmelo and Jeremy Lin. Uh, so much. And what everyone has to say about James Dolan. So, again, apologies and congratulations Uh to Mo Egger for having to sit through this entire podcast, which I know he's gonna, he's to, already told me he's going to devour every second of this the moment it comes out. But uh, new episodes of Shattered are released every Tuesday. Search for Shattered, Hope, Heartbreak, and the New York Knicks wherever you get your podcasts. All right, uh, let's move on here and talk about uh, the series. We, tight ends and quarterbacks are up. We're going to blow through these pretty quick. Um, you know, If you want to go in-depth, you can go in there and read. Uh, some of the stuff we have in there. But these positions, I'm not going to say cut and dry. For quarterback, I'll say cut and dry. But uh, for tight end, it's about Kyle Pitts, and it's about who of the late-round guys uh, maybe you like. The Kyle Pitts conversation, again, it's another thing that we've talked about a lot. I have a story that I wrote back in, God, was that February? God, we've been doing this forever, uh, <laughs> about the pros and cons. Uh, and have why the cons outweigh the pros in Kyle Pitts. And that's not discounting who he is as a player. The one thing I want to say, and make sure that I reiterate it, and actually Mo asked me about this on Tuesday, and I, and I couldn't, I don't think I'd made this point here, about what is the thing that the national experts that keep mocking Kyle Pitts to the Bengals are misunderstanding about those that locally are not. And it was this, and it was something that we talked about a lot, is that the real key, the real key to unlocking everything in the Bengals' offense, and I think this is through the view of internally, obviously like the offensive line and all that, but the real key is finding the explosiveness down the field that can that can take the pressure off, that can give space, that can create a bigger box for Joe Mixon, for Tyler Boyd to work the middle, for T. Higgins to do his thing. But you, they have felt pressed up against and suffocated and trying to get open in a phone booth for two years because they don't feel like anybody has respected anything over the top. The real key to unlocking all of this is that element. Kyle Pitts creates tons of things, and he gives you some over the top. But the receiver gives you much more of that, particularly Chase, when you're talking about him versus Pitts. And that's why I think Pitts is is a little bit further back in that conversation. Yeah, I just keep going back to the fact where it's a luxury pick at this point. They've got other more pressing needs. There's going to be maybe not as good, but there's going to be great tight ends in 2022 and 2023. They've, they've got time to get another one of these difference makers. It doesn't have to be right now. It can't be right now. They, You're right. It, they need a deep threat down the field. And if it's if they do go Sewell, there, there are other guys that can potentially do that, that they could get um, in the second round. It just 
the only way I see Pitts in play is if if Sewell and Chase are both gone, and that's not going to happen with the way that the the trades have lined up. And we know quarterbacks are flying off the board. First three for sure, maybe first four. Trade back doesn't seem likely. Um, I, I think Kyle Pitts is going to have a great career. He could have a Hall of Fame career, and I still wouldn't look back on this and say it was the wrong move. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, he's such a unique player, it, and you know, you never know how different teams are going to view it. Um, so, when you start parsing through what the, where this ends up is them not taking Pitts in the top, but you know, they, it's still a position they need to address. They, you know, you really just have two guys. Uh, Seathan Carter is gone now as well. You need somebody in there. It's going to be a day. It screams day three, and it's so many of these tight ends are developmental guys that are taken later in the draft and figured out when they get to the league. Um, and there are some of those guys that can be found. Quite frankly, it's not a good offense, uh, not a good tight end class. It's just there, there's not a ton of it, but you can still find some developmental pieces down the line. Uh, names to keep, to watch: a guy like Briley Moore from Kansas State, who's kind of been a, a real beast blocking and a really good athlete. Uh, he's got short arms, and, and so he hasn't quite had a huge debt, huge run as a receiver, but done enough. Um, he's got potential. Again, that, that's just kind of the type you're looking for an athlete that's a little raw that you can see if you can mold and turn into what C.J. Uzama was. C.J. Uzama was a fifth-round pick who had never put his hand in the dirt uh, while playing at Auburn, but now he's one of the better blockers in the league and one of the more well-rounded uh, tight ends in the league. So it, guys like that, I mentioned Pro Wells and Hunter Long uh, in this, and I have them taking Trey McKitty out of Georgia. There's any number of guys uh, that it could be, but that, to me that's where that position lands. Somebody coming off the board, but it's going to be a late-round pick. Yeah, an interesting one too. Jacob Harris from UCF ran a four point four. If that's what you're looking for, uh, more of a faster. He's he's a smaller guy. Only two twenty according to Dane Brugler's The Beast. But yeah, there's there's guys out there you can get. Look, I mean, see, look how good CJ has been. He's not been a pro bowler, but he's been what you need. And you can get guys like that later in the rounds. And as I said before, get the big huge difference maker in 2022. Yeah. Um. And also, by the way, if you totally whiff on tight end, get the boys back together. Yeah. Tyler, guy like Tyler Eifert to be sitting out there on a one-year deal. Come on back. I'm just saying you can you could always do something like that if you're looking to fill out the back of that room uh, for a year. I'm going to keep banging that so we can get Tyler Eifert on a regular basis back in this mix. <laughs> um, all right. Let's go over to the – quarterback side jay you went into this uh joe burrow's replacement who's it going to be yeah his (laughs) (laughs) ask me in 10 years um yeah that's a thing it's there's even they are really happy at at backup so it just doesn't it doesn't make sense i I can't see them even a sixth seventh round pick flyer on a guy unless there's a guy they had a third or fourth round grade on that falls it feels like it's going to be a, a an undrafted free agent, um, just a, another arm to come in in camp, and I, I just I I like these local connections. I like the idea of Peyton Ramsey, the, the elder kid. Um, he's listed as a priority free agent. That's where this is going to get interesting because when the draft is over and these teams start going after guys, I mean, how many of the quarterbacks that don't get drafted are going to? say, oh, yeah, Cincinnati's a good fit. I'm sure they'd like to learn from Joe Burrow and be around him, but anybody that comes here knows they're going to have no chance to see the field 
this year and probably ever. So I don't know what kind of sales job the Bengals are going to have to do or if they're just going to have to wait it out and and get the, the one of the, the bottom tier undrafted guys. Maybe that is another reason that they take one in the seventh round so that they, they don't get stuck in that position. But it's just it is it is talk about a luxury pick. I mean, they, they are set at, at quarterback right now. And there's, I just, I can't see them if they had a few more picks maybe, but they still need a kicker. That kind of feels like a seventh round option. I think it's going to be try to get a, an undrafted guy to come here and uh, have him learn from Joe Burrow and, and, and see where things go down the road. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think that's, that's kind of where this lands is, Look, whoever whoever you were to sign is not going to make this team. I mean, I see them being a two quarterback mm-hmm. uh, roster, and, and so you, you don't want to waste a pick on somebody that you're going to have to expose to the league. Um, I think I think you're yeah, it's somebody that you's undrafted free agent that you try to sneak on the practice squad and maybe develop to be a to potentially be a backup at some point. But you know, understand that that's probably not going to be the case. Um, Read more in depth on tight ends and on quarterbacks, and we will be hitting you up next week. Excited about what we've got. It's mock draft is coming up. Another one is coming up on Monday, but we are taking a very special angle on this one. I think that's gonna. I think it's gonna do a good job of explaining the end game of all the different paths that come off of the domino effect of the first pick at number five and being able to compare them properly. Very excited about that. That's going to be coming on Monday for subscribers, and we'll talk about it a little bit on Tuesday as well. All right, thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, we'll be back on Tuesday, and we'll, we'll dive into all of that stuff. And until then, uh, everybody have a good weekend, and we'll talk to you later. Have a good one.